That's the podcast coach for December 15th, 2018. Let's get ready to podcast. We get our little dance on. There it is. It's that music that means it's time for Ask the Podcast Coach, where you get your podcast questions answered live. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the schoolofpodcasting.com. And joining me today, keeping the one and only Jim Cullison's chair warm, is You Want to Do What? That's right. Monica Rivera from the You Want to Do What? podcast. Although you don't really say it that way. But uh, Monica, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dave. And I've always said I love the way you say the name of my podcast better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can find that over at youwantodowhat.com. And uh, we are here every Saturday at 1030 Eastern Standard Time. If you would like to jump right into the video with uh, myself and Monica, all you got to do is go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash join and that will redirect you right in here into the bubble. And uh, if you're like, look, I'm in my pajamas. I'm not going on video. Simply come out to askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. And we got a whole chat room of uh, people. And uh, Monica, I wanted to bring you on today because it was this year, right? It seems like it was last year, but it was like what in the summer when you went to the NPR boot camp or whatever it was that. Um... Yes, it was a fellowship in July of this year. Mm-hmm. And let's go back. Here's the cool thing. I loved how you got accepted into that because what did you apply to before that, before that, that didn't work out so well? Oh my gosh. I applied to a bunch of different things. So I like to say that so I'm a big sports person. So if you are familiar with basketball and you know, Steph Curry who plays for the Warriors, he's a really big three point shooter. And I always tell people it's really important to shoot your shot, which is to take as many chances as you can. So Steph Curry only shot three three-pointers per game, and he missed two of those. He'd probably feel really bad about himself. But if he shot 30, he wouldn't care as much because you're thinking about the ones that go in and not the ones that didn't. And so that's kind of how I approached this year of being really open to different possibilities. And I had applied for things like I wanted to speak on a TED stage and some other grants and opportunities. And I saw this thing with NPR, which was this fellowship, and it was called Early Career Program, which is very strange to think about me doing anything like that because I've worked in my full-time career for over 15 years. So that's not early career anything. That's like getting closer to out the door. <laughs> and so I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. I'm going to see how it goes. And it was this really intense process of where on a Friday afternoon, I get an email saying, hey, congratulations, you're a finalist. By Monday, you need to pitch us what your story would be that you would want to cover for this fellowship. And so it's Friday afternoon. It's the weekend of Father's Day. And the kicker to this was you need to report on someone who's doing something great for an important reason in Seattle. I live in New York City, Dave. I don't know anyone that lives in (laughs) Seattle. So I need to figure out how on Friday at 4 p.m. I'm going to find someone by Monday that's going to actually be this really great story and something that's compelling so that NPR will want to say yes to me. And so needless to say, I spent the entire weekend reaching out to everyone I know to say, do you know anyone that lives in Seattle? And I talked to so many strangers over the weekend 
asking them deeply personal questions. They had no idea who I was. And at the end of the weekend, if you've ever seen the show Homeland on Showtime, I had stickies all over my wall, (laughs) prioritizing like which story felt better than others and moving things around. And I found my person by that Monday um, and then submitted. And I was fortunate enough to get accepted into the program. Well, what I kind of wanted to dig in, dig into is what were like your main takeaways? Like you, so you basically got to work with someone from NPR at this point in this. Uh... Yeah. So it's really interesting. So you go into this room and there's only six fellows that are selected. So myself and this particular program, there were five women, but normally it's a combination. It just kind of worked out that way. And we get into the room the very first day. So we're working in a radio station. So it was KUOW in Seattle And we're in this newsroom and everyone stands up and introduces themselves. And someone says, I work for the New York Times. Someone else works for the Associated Press. And it gets to me and I say, hi, I'm Monica. I record a podcast inside my closet. (laughs) And there's that real thought of, oh, my gosh, what am I doing here? Did they make a mistake? Did they want another Monica? And they got me instead. And um, But it's become very quickly really supportive. And so everyone has been part of NPR for, I would say, a minimum of 10 years. So you have mentors and editors that are working with you, people that do videography and photography and actual reporters. And the great thing about it is for the entire week while you're covering your story, you have a mentor that's assigned just to you. So you and your mentor, who's been in the field for a really long time, are working on this piece together. And you can ask any question that you want because you're pretty much tied to the hip the entire time that you're there. So it's like this really cool experience where you get tremendous amount of learning and a bunch of support as well. So what were your kind of like, what were you doing before? Because you've always done interviews. Well, not always. You sometimes do solo shows on you want to do what. Mm -hmm. But what have you changed, you know, post your your time with them when it comes to interviews? So it's interesting because I would say that the most impactful part of the process for me was you go through this thing where you collect all this tape, which is you have this interview and I, excuse me, interview this woman who had gone through this like tremendous amount of, of stuff in her life and got the flu. She needed to get a heart transplant. It was this really wild story. So I interview her at the transplant place and I interview her in the hospital. So at the end of it, I have 85 minutes of what they call tape, which is just a conversation. Yeah. And I'm told, okay, great. You have 85 minutes. You have to get it down to four minutes. And I'm thinking as a podcaster, like if I wanted to, we could just release the whole 85 minutes. Like no one's going to tell us anything. Right. So you go into this room for your first edit, which is your mentor and an editor. And I was able to cut it down to about 13 minutes, which already pained my heart to have to lose all of that stuff. And I get down to 13 minutes and someone is there standing over you and they're looking at the time and they're making notes as they listen to certain pieces of the tape. And you have to fight for what it is that you want to keep in and not keep in. And so for me, we're all our own editors. There's no one over our shoulder unless you work for a bigger team telling you, hey, Dave, you need to chuck that part of the interview or you need to cut this out or I think you should add this in. So for me, you get really protective of your material because you feel, well, this is important and this is why. And so I learned you have to be really specific about the story that you want to tell. And even though I know a lot of people say, well, I want my interviews to be conversational. I don't want them to be too structured. 
you should still have a point of view that you're trying to get at the very beginning of an interview. So if you were to get on the phone with someone and for whatever reason, that person just was kind of garbage that day, like you just didn't have it, their energy was low, they fumbled over a story, at least know what you want your point of view to be mm. at the end of that interview. And so that was really important to me to decide what pieces of her story do I think are the most important for a listener to hear? And so I took that away from myself. Now, when I go into interviews, I still have a very specific idea of, okay, these are the points that I definitely want to hit. And then I allow for that openness and that playfulness and those extra stories to occur. But maybe I can use that as bonus material. But I want my listeners to know at the end of this episode, this is what you're going to hear. And I think if you ask yourself in the beginning, What's the one or two sentences that are going to summarize this interview that will give you like a really good starting point for how you want to structure the interview going forward? Amen, sister. That's that's one of my favorite things. I talk about this book a lot. It's called The Secrets of Dynamic Communication. It's by this guy named Ken Davis. And he says every presentation should be able to bo- be boiled down to one sentence. You know, so every podcast can benefit from editing. That was a presentation I did at Podcast Movement, and every bullet point reinforced that main point. So it's kind of the same thing. You have a story. At the end of the story, I want my audience to get this from this guest. So then every question then builds on that same thing. So that's very cool. So how do you uh, – because now you've taken all this editing skill from from your – I'm just going to call it a boot camp. Uh, what, do you, what do you – like how long do you – well, number one, do you record 85 minutes of, of material? And uh, the good thing is you don't have to cut it down to four minutes, but what's your editing process now? <laughs> so my ed- – well, another thing that I learned – so I use Adobe Audition. So everyone has their own preferred method of what they want to use. I use Audition also because I do photography. So I use Photoshop and I use Lightroom. So you already pay for the package and it comes with all of these programs anyway. So rather than pay additional money, I try to keep it all to that $1 amount per month. And so I use Adobe Audition and there's something called multi-track. And so now I edit everything in multi-track. And when I first got to the fellowship, I was actually editing the raw tape. So I would make a copy. So I'd keep that tucked away. But then I would edit straight from the actual track itself. And my mentor immediately said, what are you doing? Don't do that. And I said, what do you mean? This is how I edit. And they actually showed me how to use multi-track, which is really great because it makes it so much more efficient to move things around. So I don't know if you've ever had anybody date, but maybe it's question two. And you ask them to tell you about an anecdote, a story, something that happened to them. And then back later on, when maybe you're on question six, they might say, oh, you know what, Dave? I meant to add before. And they'll kind of tell you a little bit more about that story from question two. Well, in multi-track, you can actually take that answer, put it into question two, and it seems completely seamless. And so to me, that's just created so much more efficiencies. Um, I always say this, and people who have done this longer than me cringe every time, but I actually spent 13 hours editing my first interview that I'd ever done. Yikes. Yes, 13 hours. It went from day to night. And by the time I finished, I turned around wanting someone to high five me because I couldn't believe I spent the entire day 
And um, yeah, there was nobody there. So I high five myself. And it, it was amazing because I actually edited my first interview, but I also thought I need to get better at this. There's no way I can spend every Saturday for 13 hours editing an interview. So I would say multi-track is definitely my number one tip in order to speed things up. And then I also will say this, I love transcription. So I know for some people, they kind of have a love-hate relationship with it, but there are sites for 10 cents a minute, you can transcribe it. And I'm someone who likes to see things out in front of me. I'm just a little bit more of a visual learner. So seeing the flow of the conversation will help me figure out, okay, I can chuck this. I want to keep this in. Maybe I want to use this as part of my promotion. So this could be a great soundbite that I put on Instagram or Facebook later. So I'm a big fan of transcription as well. So those two things have drastically reduced the time it takes for me to edit. Well, I've got a new resource for you. You're going to love this. It is Otter, O-T-T. Let me make sure I got this straight. It's a a pretty decent transcription. Now, all cheap transcription is a case where you're going to get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, O-T-T-E-R dot A-I. It's a transcription service, and you get six hours a month for free. Ooh, yeah. that's even better. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. And it's got this cool tool where let me share my screen here real quick because I was playing with it uh, Thursday. And here's something. What I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to read something that's already printed so I can then read it and compare the transcript to the actual written thing to see how uh, accurate it is. And so here is – now, we're not going to be able to hear this, but they have this cool tool at the bottom with a speed control, which is great. And as you hit play, you'll hear whatever the heck How to make the most of email list, no matter the size. And you'll see where the it goes across, and it's highlighting the words. So, for instance, uh, this is a different thing I was reading. But one, I said, we were Sethless. Well, that's not a real word. That That's me saying our keyboard player, Seth, was not in the set. <laughs> and so it had no idea what to do with that. But, yeah, I uh, thanks to – um. Uh, Christopher Penn from Marketing Over Coffee. I met him at uh, Content Marketing World, and he was asking, does Lipson offer transcription service yet? And we're all like, as soon as we can get one that's actually accurate and you don't have to spend more time fixing the transcription. But I'm with you. I at, On occasion, if I'm in a really big hurry to edit this show and I'm trying to get timestamps, I will basically run it. I used to run it through Temi, which is T-E-M-I, which is 10 cents a minute. Mm-hmm. And um, and I could then see because it would it would have myself and whoever else is on here, and I could see when we switched subjects, and then I could then put that into the timestamp of uh, of the show. Yeah, and for me, I know that it's not perfect because it's true. It's really hard right. to find how to how to find a transcription service that's perfect. But I think for me, it's just even the broad strokes. So with something like in your example with Seth, it's like I can say, okay, well, do I want to keep the part about Seth? And at the very least, I know, okay, at the 10-minute mark, if I wanted to chuck that out, I could remove that. So I do that more just sort of as a scan and a sanity check for myself of knowing what I want to keep and what I want to chuck later. And if I'm going to keep something specific, then I might go back and fiddle with it for the accuracy. But really, it's just a matter of, of me to kind of go back and say, I might have interviewed this person four weeks ago. I remember at a high level what we talked about, but now I want to go see some of the details. And so transcription works really well for me in that way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Because we read faster than we we listen or whoever the person is talking and things of that nature. So exactly, that's very cool. Well, um, we did have somebody send in a question. So let me turn Great. up the volume on this. This is from Kyle Wilcox. 
Hello, Dave and Jim. I wanted to leave some feedback on some a topic that has been brought up on Ask the Podcast Coach recently, and this is regarding the uh, episode numbers and the, uh, ep- the the date of the episode. Um, to me, uh, uh, both of those things are really important. I guess the date aspect it w- is is probably more up to the the podcast app that you are using to display the date correctly. Um, but maybe there's a way. You, that can be put into an episode title. I don't usually do that. But the reason for, for both of those is the, the episode number really just helps me keep track of it. It helps me know where in the sequence of the, of the flow the, the podcast is um, and just kind of gives me some grounding. If I want to share that podcast with somebody, I can say, hey, you know, it was this episode number and then there's no question about which one it was. And the date, uh, again, is possibly even more important because the date, um, especially for a lot of the stuff I'm looking at, is, is technology-related. And so if it was published five years ago, it's, it's probably completely out of date and probably has, is not relevant. Um, so the date just really helps to ground what what's the context, uh, I mean, almost the historical context if it's technology or, I mean, even if it's about another topic, if it's politics or something like that, you want to know, like, when was this published? What has happened? So, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. I like to see both of those. Thanks. So I thought this was interesting because I don't think – I know you talk about when you got to like episode 50 or 52, I remember you were like, hey, this is one year and things like that. You don't really – I'm not a huge – I say like I think today is episode number 239 of Ask the Podcast Coach. I don't really do a whole lot with episodes over here. Um, do you pay attention to – to episode numbers as a listener, Monica? I, I do, actually, yeah. Because I listen to so many. I think like all of us that are podcasters, we probably listen to a bunch of different ones. And so a lot of times just for when I want to reference them to other people, I like to have the podcast number because I find that people, including myself, tend to be a little lazy. So if we can say, hey, go to episode 239 versus this is the topic name, a lot of times people will forget that. And so I feel like the numbers are just easier. easier so I try to reference that. Yeah. Got it. I don't know that anyone will ever talk me into putting episode numbers at the beginning of my title. That to me is, I understand everybody does it and it looks cool when they're all there, <laughs> but I'm like, mm, that's way too much. Uh, for me, it's it's too vital of a piece of real estate that I could, you know, because that means somewhere down here at the end of my title, I'm going to run out of room, maybe. And if I didn't have that number there, I'd rather cut off the number that because the number is still searchable if it's in your title, even if you can't assume it. So, um but yeah, so that's uh, that's interesting because I'm, maybe I'm the one person I don't really care about numbers. I think it's more of a, um, I think it's an ego boost a lot of times for for podcasters to say I'm on episode number one seventy eight. I started back in, you know, <laughs> um, but I always what I do is I put the when I can remember I'll put the episode number in the show notes. That way, if somebody goes to my website and does a search, it'll right. show up. Um, but maybe I'm maybe everybody else is using episode numbers to find stuff. I don't know what's so uh, my full time gig. I work in marketing analytics, so I'm all about the numbers and the data. So it's just like the way my mind works that I need the numbers. But yeah, it's definitely not a vanity thing. I'm with you. I'd prefer not to have like that real estate taken up by the number, but my OCD just won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> so the number is there. <laughs> well, the other thing um, I learned about you recently is you used to work in marketing? Did you say that? Or you end yes, up in- Yes, I've worked in marketing, yeah, for over 15 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so any tips for a podcaster looking to market 
their podcast? What would be your uh, your your tip for that? Do you have any tips for oh that? My, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things to do. So um, I'll just kind of start with basic marketing tips before I get into things like testing and all the stuff that you can do in set. But I would say it's easy to kind of try to market like everyone else, right? Which is just to have your artwork and an episode number or just the face of a person. But I would say really try to be creative with how you're going to do it. So utilize your Instagram stories, make sure you're tagging like appropriately what your episode is about. Um, Try to pull out like some nuggets from your show that people might not might be interested in hearing keep it under if it's instagram under 12 seconds which i know feels like there's no time at all but if you look at the stats like people are scrolling through instagram so fast they're not going to listen to your one minute clip unless you're probably a celebrity and then people will listen to anything a celebrity says i feel these days but really try to keep it below that uh facebook keep it below 30 seconds when it comes to the clip. Um, so those are some of like the immediate tips that I would have for people. Don't be afraid to put your face out there and have real contact with the people that listen to your show. Um, that's really important as well. And, um, and I would say you don't really need to focus on ads as much as people think that you do. I mean, it's, it's, it's something, but with the algorithms always changing, unless you're going to really spend a lot of time reading about how to appropriately market your show through Facebook advertising and Instagram advertising, I would say really just how can you kind of cut through the noise and see other people that you listen to and what's getting traction on their pages, right? So if somebody, you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. So see what other people are doing that's kind of cool and try it. And my last tip is if you don't know how to do something when it comes to social media and you want to market your show that way, just ask questions. Ask someone that you like. People come constantly into my DMs on Instagram to say, how did you do this? What program did you use? And I'm always happy to help people with those questions because I know it's not easy and it's not always intuitive for folks. Um, so don't be afraid to ask someone who's doing a really good job that you admire to help you out. And that'll help get a long way. What's uh, what's your favorite tool to make uh, clips for Instagram? So... I know how to use Photoshop, so I use Photoshop for a lot of the things. I know that's like slightly more advanced, but even Canva can be really great. Um, I would try to make sure you have like a consistent look. So your colors for your show, Dave, are that navy and white. Mm-hmm. So I would use that for almost everything that I use to kind of keep it consistent across the brand. Think of us just as people. Like we're really simple. We don't want our minds to kind of process tons of information. So if you see a lot of clutter, a person's eye immediately gets taken away from it. I also do photography. So like what do you want the person to focus on in your image? It's the same thing when it comes to marketing. What do you want people to focus on? If you have too many bells and whistles, people focus on nothing. So I would say less is more when kind of creating your images. Use Canva. Go to places like um, 99designs can do some work for you if you have like more of a budget and you want to tackle things like that. There's lots of Photoshop templates that exist. And really all you need to do, and this is like a really neat trick, find five templates that you like on Canva and then just reuse those. You don't have to think every single time I need to find like the most creative thing I can do. Find five and then keep swapping them out as your episodes change. 
Absolutely. That's what I do in Canva. A lot of times I will take the last one I did. I make a Mm -hmm. copy of it. I go in, I change the words, add a new picture, download it. It takes like two seconds to do it that way. Um, And for audiograms, I just want to mention this. So audiograms are a really big thing for folks um, to have the sound of your your actual podcast episode. I use Headliner. Headliner is free. I know people like to use some of the other ones, but there's a lot of functionality in Headliner. It's a free tool. They're constantly upping their services. I don't know how they're managing to keep it free, but God bless them. I hope they never change. I would say use Headliner. There's tons of ways to do that. And one of the best tips I've got is try to rely on closed captioning. And I heard that from someone who is hearing impaired. Mm. And so a lot of times when we post things like audiograms, you'll see the wave move, but if there are no words, well, that person has no idea what's happening there. So a lot of times it's good to have just the, the visual words for people as well. And Chris in the chat room, and of course the chat room is at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. He says, check out Photo P and so photo P E A dot com. Uh, it's like Photoshop in the cloud. You can also use Pixlr and that is P I X L R dot com. And I've got a new one and this one is pretty handy. And especially if you have somebody that needs to, a lot of people will make a, their artwork in Canva or something like that and they'll make it a PNG file. And it's way more, uh, it should be. The spec is it needs to be 1,400 by 1,400 all the way up to 3,000 by 3,000. That's the dimensions. But the file size should be 500 kilobytes or less. And there's a really cool tool. It's called Squoosh. (laughs) S-Q-U-O-O. Let me see how many O's we got in here. Yeah, two O's, (laughs) S-H dot A-P-P. So Squoosh dot app. And what's really cool is you just basically you upload an image. In fact, since we're... I will describe what we're doing here since this is an audio podcast, but I might as well demonstrate it. (laughs) You basically select an image, and let me go find something here. Um, Image, give me an – oh, I'm in the wrong folder. Uh, Where's my good – where did Erase Me go? I have a folder called – there it is, which is just (laughs) filled with people's artwork. Uh, So I could grab – here's one because I think this one isn't even square. So it brings this up, and over on the right, you can see, like, the original size was 207 kilobytes. So that's actually okay, because you'd want it 500 or less. But uh, if I wanted to resize this, I can come over here to the right, and I can see where this is not square. And I could say, look, let's make this uh, 2,000 by 2,000. I don't know what this is actually going to do to this um, in theory, but you kind of see a little before and after. So we're not really adjusting the image. And in this case, we're going to stretch it, and if I say... I go contain. Hmm, interesting. But you can do all sorts of stuff. If I wanted to just make it smaller, let's say if we do the opposite, if I say, look, I don't want to resize it, um, I can go in here and compress it down here. Like I could say, look, let's. Mm-hmm. this is down here, and you'll see where I'm making it really, really small. And then you basically just click to download it, and you've got your less than 500 kilobytes file. So it's it's pretty handy, and it's also free. So anytime I have somebody at Libsyn or somebody goes, look, uh, iTunes is rejecting my artwork and it's, you know, 1400 by 1400. What's the deal? Or if it's not squared, that's the other one. I just, uh, it's the weirdest name, squoosh, S-Q-U-O-O-S-H dot app. 
and it's free. So between that, photo P, which there's another one. I'm like, I know it's P-E-A, but I don't want the word P anywhere near <laughs> the name of my product. I will pass on that. Um, and then, uh, you know, those are some things you can use to uh, touch up your artwork. But uh, do you know who doesn't need any touch up, Monica? Who? Uh, my awesome uh, supporters for Ask the Podcast Coach. <laughs> and if I can get my little gizmo to work, there we go. Uh, and you say, well, Dave, who are you talking about? I'm talking about awesome people like uh, Josh Liston. You might know him from onthebubblepodcast.com. Greg, who does uh, the Debt Shepherd, where he teaches financial wellness. You can find him at debtshepherd.com. Uh, Jonathan Bloom, which we'll be hearing from in just a second. He does the Weekly Awesome show. Go over at weeklyawesome.com. Glenn the Geek Hebert over at horseradionetwork.com. Josh Rivers at podcastingexperiments.com. Max Trescott over at aviationnewstalk.com. Shane from Spybrary. Bond, Kerry Bond over at the Key West Perspective. <laughs> dot com slash podcast and my buddy Ronsley down under in Australia, uh, the Amplify Agency. Check him out at mustamplify.com. And if you'd like to be an awesome supporter, the good news is we are up. I, I said every month I'd like to have one more and you can join for a buck. We are now back to even. I, I lost a couple because, well, life happens and a new couple new people signed up. So if we want to have one more by the end of the month, well, then you got to get over to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome and uh, sign up today. And at the, let's see, this is the 15th in two weeks. I read everybody's name regardless of how much you have donated. So thanks to all the awesome supporters. Go over to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome today. So uh, Jonathan Bloom, I mentioned him. He has a question. For, well, he doesn't have a question. He thinks he thinks we should do homework. So here's Jonathan's suggestion. Hey, Dave. Happy Saturday, even though this is recorded on a Monday. So I had an idea for something we could all do in 2019. What if we took a week or a month without actively looking at our stats. I know that it's there when we're in there, but something else he said somewhere that I was, that was quoted, I believe on better podcasting was you should take one day out of the month for stats. And then every other day focus on everything else. So I'm wondering what would it be like if we didn't focus on stats for a month? I'll have an awesome day and I will talk to you later. Monica, how often do you check your stats? You're because uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> actually, we're going to combine this. Okay, it's a new new segment I just made up. It's called <laughs> "How to Ask This Better," and then we're going to come back and talk about stats. So you ready? You ready to play? Um, I could ask you, Monica, when did you get into podcasting? And you would answer June 2017. Okay, so June 2017. So a little. Oh, you've been uh, doing a year and. Almost a year, year and, and a half. half. All right. So that's one way to ask that. Here's a better way to ask that. Uh, Monica, when did you know you wanted to start a podcast? Oh, my gosh. Probably 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually bought my first mic in October of 2013. So that's like when that was the burning desire. And then I let it sit there until June of 2017 because I talked myself out of it every month saying, who's going to want to listen to me? What am I going to talk about? I'm just this corporate America person. And I kept all the negative self-talk um, until I finally said, you know what, F this, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and so here I am. 
So that is my new segment, A Better Way to Ask That. I, I, it's my new thing I'm noticing. I, when I now listen to interviews, I'll hear something. I'm like, you know, a better way to ask that. Because if you notice, one, I got an answer, right? June 2017, kind of a, a short answer because it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a very – but if you ask the question, when did you know you wanted to get into podcasting? Because we still ended up in June 2017, but I got a story, and I went, that's a better question. So That's why you're the podcast coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, what – Clue this in is um, I asked somebody and he got kind of offensive. He was he was asking me about you know maybe we should do some consulting and I said, how do you know your show is good? And he was like, well, what do you mean? I go, well, how do you know your show is good? And he kind of got mildly offended, like I was saying your show isn't good. And so a better way to say that is how do you know your audience, how do you know your content connects with your audience? Because that's really what I was asking. And so that's my that's my new hobby now is like, is there a better way to ask that? Because when I asked that, he was like, oh, I do this and this. And, and first I answered the question for him. And right. then uh, I said, this is really what I'm looking for. So, um, so that's, I hope you enjoyed that segment. That's a better way to ask this. Um, now, getting back to stats, how often do you check your stats? So in the beginning, I would check them, I don't know, maybe like every five to seven minutes. <laughs> like it was really, it was nuts when I first started. And again, I go back to remember I'm an analytics, so I That's just true. love data. Like I would check your stats if you let me, just simply because I love data. But I check them all the time. And I would say probably in the past three or four months, I checked them a lot less. So the day of. I always kind of want to see how my show is performing that first day of release. Um, And then maybe two more times like that week since I release weekly, but it isn't that same obsession that I had in the beginning. And I think mostly just because I try to go back by what the listeners are telling me. Um, And I think if I'm constantly sort of looking at my stats, then I'm not doing other things to make the show better. Um, What I do instead of just looking at the raw numbers though, I like to pay attention to who's listening to what country people are listening in or what states people are listening in, and then also how they're listening to the show. So are they going to Apple? Are they on Overcast? Are they on Spotify? So now I pay a little bit of of attention to those numbers more than I just need to get X amount of downloads to the show. Because again, it goes back to marketing. So if I see, for example, for a long time, it was the U.S., then it was the U.K., and it was Canada. Those are the top three regions. Now, if you go in and you look, my second most popular region is South Africa. I don't know what happened in South Africa. I don't know anybody there. It's on my travel bucket list, but I don't know how anybody would know that unless they knew me. And now that has usurped these other regions, and it's just kind of booming. Business is booming in South Africa, which is awesome. So maybe I'll pay attention to some of the countries and figure out, do I want to try to market there a little bit more strongly? Can I reach out to somebody that maybe lives there? to see if I could interview them for this show or maybe try to get some PR from those regions. So that's kind of how I start to focus on it now and less about the raw numbers for the particular episode. So do you know your most popular state? California. Really? Okay. Cause I'm going to say I've yeah. never, that's something I, and I got called out. I forget what podcast I was listening to. And somebody said that Dave Jackson and other people say they only check their stats when they upload their previous episode and he politely hinted that maybe I'm not telling the truth on that. And I'm here to tell you, give me a Bible I will swear on. I check my stats when I upload the latest episode. And I go, 
Is it up or down? And then what I do is I have a spreadsheet that takes a snapshot of the last four episodes. So I add up the downloads of the last four episodes. Okay. And then I look at that and compare it to last week's and go, is it up or down? And I'd like it to be a certain number. And I go, and then I have, I'm a bit of a stat junkie myself and I'm a bit of an Excel nerd. So I make a, a cool little line chart and it's like, is it going up? Yes. Is it going down? Hmm. You know, and that's basically it. And then what I'll probably do at the end of the year is I will go back and look at the episodes just from this year. So I'll export, you can go in, in this case in Libsyn, you can export your, your download stats for all your episodes. And then I will filter that by 2018. And I'll look at like, what was the most popular show, which is kind of not fair because the shows in December are not going to have 11 months of people listening to them. But right. nonetheless, I'll, I'll still kind of look at those and just see. And what I'm looking for are obvious things like, wow, you know, all these got whatever, a couple thousand downloads, but this one got like 5,000 for some reason. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that's, I'm looking for something that's standing way, way out. Uh, and then I'll look at that and go, okay, now why was that more? And that's sometimes even more fun to to try to figure out. Cause in some cases you're like, I don't know, I guess it was a good guest or especially if it's a solo show. I'm like, okay, what was I talking about here that apparently made people share it or, or whatever, things like that. So I do the same thing as well. And also I even look at the show title itself. Sometimes show titles resonate with people. So if it's a how-to or if there's a number in the title, so three ways to do X, Y, and Z, or just even looking at the language that I use for a show title sometimes can encourage people to listen. And so I try to play around with things like that and what topics. So can I kind of categorize certain episodes of my show? So maybe people like episodes on productivity or motivation or they like guests that were talking about career changes. So I see what I can do to kind of group that and what makes sense for people. And so that helps inform some of my future episodes as well. Well, and so when we talk about stats, I was out in a Facebook group this morning. And I saw where uh, Brian, I'm going to mispronounce your, your I'm going to say, hmm, Basilico. <laughs> We'll just call him Brian. He says, anyone not seeing popularity rankings in their iTunes? He says, I made a feed update and the podcast is updating fine, but shows zero popularity since October. I know it's getting hits via my blueberry stats. And so I went and they talked about the Apple popularity. Now, what we're talking about on this is in Apple iTunes, not the Apple podcast app, Apple iTunes. So right there. I'm going to say 20% or less of actual people are using that that app still or that app, that software. This is the one you use on your computer. Mm-hmm. And there was an episode of this on the feed, and they said the Apple – this is from Apple. The Apple popularity metric is uh, nothing to do with downloads in your feed. It's all related to the activity in Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts. So it's how many times that show was played in Apple Podcasts. So – if if all of a sudden you have a bunch of people on Android go crazy on an episode, that's going to do absolutely nothing in right. your, your Apple podcast. So that's one of those things that I kind of go, mm, maybe, could be, just maybe other things you could be uh, – could be looking at than the Apple popularity, unless he just happened to <laughs> to see it and was like, "Hey, uh, what's what's going on with that?" So, hey, if you have any questions, as we uh, we're we're down to the last quarter here, we're at askthepodcastcoach.com dot com slash live, or if you want to jump in with a question. 
It's uh, askthepodcastcoach.com slash join. Monica, I'm going to hit you with what could be a hard question. Everybody tells me it's a hard question, <laughs> but uh, it's something I'm doing for the School of Podcasting. So anybody that listens to that show, you will hear Monica's answer again on the 31st because that is the last Monday. That is the last time I will publish uh, the School of Podcasting. And every year I ask a question, which is, what is, you can only pick one. So first things first. Don't tell me it's a tie because, no, we're, we're going to be like Jeopardy. <laughs> we're only taking your, your first answer. Uh, if you want to answer this, you can, again, come in here, askthepodcastcoach.com slash join, or just email me, Dave, at schoolofpodcasting.com. I need your answer by Friday the 28th. And the question is, Monica, what is your favorite podcast? If you know where we can find it, that would be awesome. But more importantly, why is it your favorite podcast? This is actually a really easy question for me because my personality, I'm a loyalist. So my favorite is the first podcast I've ever listened to, which is the Bill Simmons podcast. Ah. It used to be called the BS Report when he worked for ESPN. ESPN fired him, so he could not take the BS Report name with him. So instead, he's the Bill Simmons podcast. And it's part of the Ringer Network. And you know, it's one of the most popular podcasts that you can pretty much find. And the reason I love it is because Bill sort of is just this everyman. I mean, now he's an everyman with millions of dollars. But when he first started, he was an everyman. He was this kid from Boston who loved sports. And he would he went to AOL at the time when AOL had all those little digital hubs. So he went to the people at AOL Boston and said, hey, I really love writing about Boston sports. Can I just write for you for free? And they said, sure, if you want to write for us for free, that's fine. And he hustled his tail off until eventually he made it to ESPN and kind of worked up the ranks. And now he has his own media company, which is uh, the Ringer Network. And his show is not just about sports, but it's about pop culture. He brings his dad on the show. He brings his buddies from college. They talk a little bit about everything. And I love it because I sort of started to model my show after shows like Bill's, which is just a conversation and feeling like you were talking to a friend. And if I saw Bill on the street, I think that I could talk to him about his kids, about his wife, about uh, Patriots football, about so many different things, just because he was such a relatable person. And so that will forever be the podcast that I listen to. So when Bill's done, that's when I'll stop listening. But I can't imagine <laughs> ever not listening to his show. And now he does his own show three times a week. And it's the only one that the day that it comes out, I have to listen to it. Nice. And again, it's not the BS Report. It's now called what? The Bill Simmons Podcast. There you go. It, that's uh, that's original. Simple. It, yeah. yeah. And, and you can do that <laughs> when you're a celebrity. Uh, again, if you want to chime in on that, uh, again, you can just go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash join or email me, Dave, at schoolofpodcasting.com. I do prefer a recording. I'd Somebody send in like an email, and I'm like, I could read that, but it would be so <laughs> much better. And then the other thing is, of course, um, tell us about your show and where we can find it. So, Monica, why don't you tell us about your show and where we can find it? Sure. So my show is called You Want to Do What? Not exciting as the way you pronounce it, but it's <laughs> You Want to Do What? And it's for all the dreamers, the bucket list makers, anybody that's been kind of doing the nine to five grind for a long time and has sort of lost a little bit of themselves. You want to get back to the bucket list, get back to dreaming. And I started the show for myself. I'm always really honest about that. I had lost some of my own dreams and I'd lost track of the things that I wanted to do. 
So through my own stories and conversations with guests, we talk about how to get right back into checking off the boxes for ourselves and being a little bit more than who we were yesterday. So it's a, it's a fun show. I've met some amazing people on it. So I've had everyone from people from ESPN, which was like, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it because I love sports so much, to Olympians, to just the everyday person who shows us how we can get things done. And the, the cool thing about your show, and this is a, a good testament to your show, is recently you had your gallbladder removed. And when that happens, uh, it's kind of unexpected. So you didn't have a couple in the can to go. And so you had a couple weeks where normally every Wednesday, here comes Monica like clockwork. And all of a sudden, (laughs) there was no Monica. And talk about what your audience did with that information. How'd How'd they treat that? Yeah, so it was kind of incredible because it was emergency gallbladder surgery. And I'm as a podcaster, I'm sitting there in the hospital thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not going to have a show that comes out this Wednesday. And then lo and behold, I have to get this gallbladder taken out. And it was, you know, a little bit of a chore to get back to it. And I had at least two dozen messages from listeners, either through Instagram, Facebook, or through actual email saying, are you okay? Something must be wrong with my feed. I keep refreshing it. I don't see your podcast. Are you okay? And just these really beautiful messages, some from listeners that I heard from before, and then others just I'd never heard from that just said, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Is the show coming back? We miss you. And um, and my last episode, which is episode 74, kind of talks about that story of what happened and really also what happens when you lose momentum because for 73 weeks I'm cranking out these episodes and then even for me it was also that change of wow how do I get back to this and Mm. when I got onto the mic I felt a little rusty and um really just feeling like I just need to talk to that one person and then the response I got back from those same people like oh my gosh like we love you and like just these really great messages from people all over the world that missed the show and I would have never thought to the same way I talked about the Bill Simmons podcast, Dave, and how much I love that. Um, I remember how excited I would get when a new episode would come out. The fact that someone's excited when they hear my show, I just, I wouldn't have expected that a year and a half ago. So it's, it's pretty awesome. See, that's a great example. My very first show I did was for musicians. It was called, uh, what ended up being called the marketing musician. It went through multiple name changes over the years (laughs) and Towards the end of it, I wasn't in a band anymore. The music business had completely changed from when I started it because I did that show for almost 11 years. And I was just running out of things to say besides always pay your beer tab and don't be a jerk to the bar owner. (laughs) There's like so many ways. And so I started to sputter and I started to miss episodes. And I was just kind of like, "Eh, this will do. Let's put that out. And what was hilarious is I had a guy approach me and it's like, hey, I've got like 10 billion people following me on Google+. Plus. I could talk to your audience about how they could do the same, which tells you how long ago it was, Google+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, really, I, I talked to him for a really long time, and for whatever reason, I decided to break his interview into two parts. I think we talked about like Google+, Plus, and then later we talked about something else. So I, I broke it into two parts, which looking back, I'm like, again, there was no such thing as too long, only too boring, but <laughs> I broke it into two. And what was hilarious is I put out the first episode and literally just ran out of gas. It, it really became a uh, marking musician. Got to get that out. Ugh, you know, and, <laughs> and I never put out episode. I never put out part two of his interview and I didn't have one single comment aside from, oh, the, wow. aside from the guy that said, <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> that said, Hey, 
whatever happened to, to part two. And that was months. He didn't even recognize that I had done that. So to me, that's, um, it's always good when, uh, I remember for a while, what I do now with this show is I actually, the minute it's done, I start working on this show because I would say things like, Hey, on the school of podcasting, I'm doing this on Monday. Well, if it comes out like after Monday, it doesn't work. So I now do this show. Uh, the day, like the minute we get done here, I start working on it. And so it's kind of interesting now because people are like, hey, like, what's going on? Like, where's, where's the show? So that's always to me a, a good sign. Or if you if you want to really have fun, I did this a couple weeks ago. I put out an episode where I had muted my intro music, exported it. And it's all the Steelers fault, uh, Monica, because I was watching a football <laughs> game. And forgot to re-upload the finished version after because I actually caught the mistake. I just I fixed it and then didn't upload it. Um, and I had people. I had so many emails that morning going, "Do you know like you go hit it, ladies?" And then nothing happens, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, I forgot to upload it." So it's funny you mentioned that because um, my gosh, it must have been about three months ago. But there was a part. So again, in multi-track, I guess I had shifted something, mm-hmm. and there was a an overlap. So the words were kind of right on top of each other. And so at six o'clock in the morning, I wake up and I have all these messages saying at this timestamp, there's <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh. And it was amazing because I, at first I thought, well, maybe if it's a couple of seconds, but people said, no, it goes from this time to this time and actually timestamped it for me so that I would know exactly where I needed to go to make the change. And so of course I immediately did. And then we uploaded the episode, but even that for people to be so gracious to say, no, nope, from 425 to 501, this is exactly where it overlaps. And so that, that's pretty awesome that people are able to do that. Well, and the thing about that, notice they weren't like, hey, what the heck? They were more like, right. hey, I want to help you. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a little boo-boo over there. So exactly. your, your audience isn't like, well, that's it. I'm unsubscribing because you had music <laughs> coming in the middle. They're like, no, I want to help you. Um, well, speaking of, of taking a break, we did have a – I saw this question out in a Facebook group from Christopher – Latonia Stevens. He's got like four names going on here. It says, how many episodes are considered to be a season and how long of a break do you take before uh, beginning a new one? And this is kind of one of those things where it's podcasting. I don't know. What what would you think would be a regular season? Do you have any? Because I don't know that there's a rule. There's no like, if you turn to the podcasting manual, Section three, you know, B, it says here an official season is just like TV. What's an, what's a TV season? Anybody know? See, even then it varies, right? Because on Netflix, you can have eight episodes, you have 13 episodes. But if it's on network, you have something like 20 something episodes. So I would say, what if we just took the conventional definition of a season in and of itself, which is three months in a year? So we could say if you release weekly, what is that? 12 episodes? Right. 12, 13 episodes. So you could do something similar to that. And it's really, like you said, there are no rules for it. So it's, if you feel like you have enough content to get a 13 episode season, and I say this in quotes, then that's what you should do. But if you feel like you don't have enough content, all you have is enough content for eight episodes, then don't do that to your listeners. Don't have them listen to 13 episodes where you're just phoning it in. Right. Really, I believe in like 
outlining where your content's going to be if you want to do it in seasons. Make sure you have enough to pack into each of those episodes, and then that's where your break will come. Um, I will say after having the gallbladder surgery, I wish that at least I had a microphone in the hospital with me so I could say, hey, two-minute episode, I'm in the hospital, I'm going to come back, don't unsubscribe, because you do lose some people when you kind of go away unexpectedly. So I would say the same thing if someone's doing seasons. Just let them know this is how many episodes you can expect. Then we're going to do a break for the next like two to three weeks, and then we'll be back with more. Um, just set the expectation for your listeners. Yeah, Bangs in the chat room says, Doctor Who is 11 episodes this year. It was 10 in 2020. And did you see any numbers drop off from when you came back? I did, yeah, unfortunately. I did, but you just got to kind of get those folks back. And I believe like the people that want to listen to you will listen to you. And then there's always going to be an ebb and flow. And we have more podcasts now more than ever before. So I don't take those things personally. And I don't think anybody should either. Sometimes it's just kind of the nature of it. I know I have shows that I love where I'm so behind on listening to episodes. It's not a personal thing. Just sometimes it's how life goes. Yeah, I pop in and out of shows on a regular basis where I'll listen to them like, oh, this is good. And I'll start mm-hmm. listening to something else. And then what I'll do is I'll go back and I'll see them like, wow, I've got seven episodes of this podcast I need to listen to. And that's right. where that to me is where the title comes into play because I'll look at them like, nope, no, that, no, that, no, don't. And that, if, like for Mark Marin, I'll click on it and I'm like, he'll say, today I'm speaking with. Margaret Hugermitch. And I'm like, who? And I'll read it. And I'm like, don't know who she is. Don't care what they're talking about. Next. And that's exactly. where, yeah. yeah. So that's what I do. I, I kind of pop in and out on that and, uh, and just go from that. So uh, a lot of times I say, once I have a long plane ride, I'll listen to these, let's say 10. And at this point I say, well, I'm going to have to just book myself on a trip someplace so that I can actually have the time to do it. But it's the same thing. I'll look at titles and I'll look at guests and say, you know, like everything I have to prioritize. And one of my goals is to watch a little less TV, um, a little less brain candy and some more, <laughs> some more knowledge in there. So I'll be listening to some new podcasts soon. Yeah, I have a uh, a playlist on my Overcast called Books because I plan on rewriting my book. And mm-hmm. you can just see, I could scroll here for it. It's the book called uh, The Book Marketing Show. And it's really good. Uh, Dave, what is uh, Dave's last name here? I cannot see it. Dave Chelson. Um, really cool, really short show. And I've just got the stockpile. I'm like, I'm like I, I could, if I wanted to, I could unsubscribe. And resubscribe at the beginning of the year, which is when I'm probably going to listen to these or when I get a break. But um, yeah, so that's that's when I'm just like, all right, someday mm-hmm. I'm going to go back and listen to these. <laughs> um, but you you made a great point. For me, anytime you take a break that can be planned, assuming you don't have your gallbladder, just go, hey, I'm done. <laughs> um, if you can let people know. Like, that's one of the things I think Serial does poorly is they'll go, this is the end of season two. We'll be back. Next year. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. I don't know that they gave us a date because. No, they don't. Yeah. And so it's just, and then they just fire up every, all their friends in the print world and everywhere else to go, they're coming back. And then everybody starts to tell everybody, but I'm with you. If you can dictate or if you can determine, I will be back on March 18th then people know, okay, you're coming back. And then they know not to unsubscribe and you just set those expectations. Otherwise they're just like, Where'd he go? Where'd she go? I don't know. She was here a minute ago. 
Exactly. Absolutely. It's so true. And it's like, you don't want people to think that you've pod faded. You don't want them to, even the the people who grow attached to you to think, oh my gosh, maybe something happened to this person. So as much as you can sort of set those expectations, it's definitely important. So, and I would have definitely asked for someone to bring me a mic in my hospital room. The pain was too bad. I wasn't thinking about that. See, what you do (laughs) is you record it on your phone and then email that to, I don't know, somebody you know. That could get it into your feed. And then, uh, you know, we could have done that. Uh, I actually thought about asking you if you could help me with that. And, uh, but they kept moving the day of my surgery. uh, So I kept thinking I was going to have time because even in the hospital, I thought, well, I'll have time to get back to it. I just have to be home by this date. And they kept moving the day of it. So I was kind of at the mercy of the doctors. Silly doctors. Do you, I know. Around the holidays, (laughs) do you listen to more or less podcasts or is it the same? I'll probably be listening to more just because I have some vacation days. So that'll give me some extra time to free myself up to listen to that when I don't have to listen to uh, my corporate team chirping in my ear. Um, But I would say it's it's never less because, I mean, my habits for the most part stay the same. I'm a big online shopper, so I'm not really wrangling with anybody in like a Macy's and elbowing them out of the way. So I don't have to worry about that. And so I listen to the same and hopefully I can listen to some more and kind of knock through some episodes that I've been trying to get to on some shows um, that are more around what I want to do for next year. So I'm kind of changing a little bit of the ones that I'm listening to, a little less on my entertainment side, a little bit more on the actual let's get business rolling. Got it. And uh, as we start to wrap up here, um, what tell us, uh, tell us again where we can find your show. Sure. So it's called You Want to Do What? It releases every Wednesday. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts or you can go to youwantodowhat.com. And I'm a big on Facebook and Instagram, so you can find me at either of those names, You Want to Do What? And let's connect. I love meeting new people. And um, any way I can help you when it comes to marketing or anything around podcasting, I'm happy to help. I mean, you're the man, but if there's other questions people have, I'm happy to be there as well. And do, uh, do you know what's coming up? Like, what's your next episode? Yes, I have an episode coming up on gratitude. And so holidays can be really stressful. And I think the one day to try to keep that stress under control is to stay in a practice of gratitude. So after leaving the hospital, one less organ than I had when I went in, I am uh, really in that place of being really grateful for the things that I have. So I want to help other people who have a tough time around the holidays, whether you have a lot of family, you don't have a lot of family. I think it can be a tough time for people. So it's just a little way to help them get through it. Awesome. On the School of Podcasting, we'll be talking about Troy Heinrich's went to a live event. He had some tips for that. And uh, stick around for some post-show right after this. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time.